This is Dan McCarthy, and you're listening to the Check In Podcast. So I heard something over the weekend that I thought was one of the more appropriate metaphors for the last 12 months, and I thought I'd start us off today by sharing it with you all. Uh, I can't tell you where exactly I heard this or read it. It might have been on Twitter, might have been on another social media network, it might have been on TV or in a movie. I really can't remember. In all my efforts to track it down, and I did make a concerted effort to try and find where this came from, uh, all those efforts have come up short. But it is something that's stuck in my head ever since I encountered it, and I thought I'd share it with you all right now. It went something like life and time go by in a similar way that a taxi trip from central London to Heathrow Airport would go, which is something I'm sure so many of you have probably experienced. The two are similar in that at first there are a lot of stops and starts, and the journey seems to drag along as your car battles traffic around London's high streets. But the longer the trip goes, the further you get outside of the city, the quicker the journey becomes. And before you've noticed, you're at pulling up at the airport. In, in my mind, part of the reason why the travel industry is so valuable and, and so special is because it can stop those journeys, even if it's just for a short period of time. Um, aside from being this massive employer in an industry that can drive economies of countries around the world when things are good, the travel industry is able to help people capture those moments in life. It's able to help people slow things down and highlight some time that otherwise would have gone unnoticed. And I think sitting here 12 months after COVID first started impacting our lives, it's important for everyone working within the industry to remember why they got in it in the first place. This year has been thankless for so many people who have built their careers in travel and hospitality, and so many have suffered financial hardship. So many have been forced to look elsewhere outside of the industry as, as COVID hit last March. But remembering what travel can do and, and what function it can serve can, can be a big help in these times. Um, and, and that thought and those kind of thoughts bring me to my conversation today with Jennifer Wilson Buttigieg. Jennifer was kind enough to join me this week to talk about what the travel industry does, what function it serves, and, and where we are moving forward out, out of the pandemic. Every time I introduce Jennifer, I always say she needs no intro, but I'm going to give her one anyway. Jennifer is the co-president and owner at Valerie Wilson Travel. She's the co-chair of the American Society of Travel Advisors Government and Political Affairs Committee and the former co-chair of its Corporate Advisor Council. She's a board member on a number of top travel brands, including Abercrombie & Kent, Accor, Colette, Intercontinental, Taj Hotels, and much more. She's been quoted in the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and the New York Times, and she's appeared on CNBC. In my opinion, you would be hard-pressed to count on more than one hand the number of people who care equally or more for the individuals within the industry than Jennifer does, which is why I thought she would be a perfect guest to kick us off here today. I know her story has been told on a number of occasions by both TMR and other trades and consumer publications, but I hope you stick around and enjoy our conversation over the next 40 minutes or so. We cover a bunch from Jennifer's love of London to whether she ever felt the desire to leave the travel industry, especially during this last year when business was down more than 90%. We touch on her work with Asta, how the pandemic has changed her view on business travel for the long term, and what is she most looking forward to over the next few months. It's an honest 
and somewhat meandering conversation, but it's one that I truly enjoyed and one that I hope you will enjoy too. So let's check in with Jennifer. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, we're, we're hanging in there. Um, yeah. Um, it, I mean, it's strange that, to me that it's March and it's been all, it's been a full year since this whole pandemic thing has started. I actually, I heard something this weekend and it just seemed like to resonate with me. It was that like time, I guess people like have different perspectives of time and time tends, time tends to get sped up at certain points. And this last year has just felt like, it felt like it's, it's been on fast forward. Right. Very much so. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, partly because there was no consistency, there was no planning, there were no facts, there were, um, I had, I had some visceral, um, like memory reactions last week as like the, the first round of riffs and letting the people go and then truly saying, I'll see you guys in two or three weeks. And like, yeah. did we bring those files? No. Did we need those files? No. Um, and just what leaders have been saying that it's, it's unimaginable, the decisions that have had to been made and try not to judge others, but, um, yeah, you're in, here we go. And you're, you're still at home, right? You're still in your home office. I'm still in my home office. Um, I go into the city probably once a week. Oh, okay. Once every two weeks. Yeah. The city is starting to, uh, it's starting to seem like it's coming back to life pretty quickly, to be honest. Like I'm in Greenpoint, so I'm in Brooklyn and th this neighborhood, I mean, people are still out and about, like there were some very dark, very bleak weeks, but I think the cold contributed to, the, to that too. But I mean, I was in Manhattan over the weekend, and it does seem like the traffic on the street seems to be picked up pretty, pretty, uh, pretty substantially. And I've heard it's a little bit in the morning, a little bit at what the old rush hour was, and then a little bit within sort of like pockets of neighborhoods for dinners and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I know how busy you are. No, now. it's always great to see you. I think yeah. the the other thing, the number that I watch is TSA. I yeah. keep the daily link, and it's nice to see it up. But people don't realize it's still 55% off. Yeah, but I still think over a million. I mean, that's encouraging to me. It I, is. Particularly because, I mean, business travel is still, I don't think, has returned to anywhere where anywhere close to where it was. And also international travel, too, is still, there's, I would say. There's down. no international. Yeah. Right. No, but, I agree with that. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess spring break is kind of this week, depending on where you live. So, I think that's what we're seeing. I, th I think we had four straight days of a million people over over yeah. uh yeah i mean it was it, it is encouraging i have to say i mean again i looked back to last march or last april and the low was eighty thousand people is just so bleak it's for the unimaginable industry. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you are seeing like you are seeing some i mean the tsa i see some stories when i because i have a little news alert on for tsa and i, I see right. some stories that they're hiring more officers which is a good sign I they think. are yeah they are so it is, I mean, I can, I, I think we spoke a couple of times in the beginning of this and it does seem, yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Who yeah. knew? Um, I, it was funny because I was going through a bunch of files from about a year ago and I was like, oh my God, we knew nothing. We were so naive. Well, I saw you in Orlando um, last late February or, or early March. And I yeah, remember- That was like my last trip. Yeah. 
And I remember having the conversation then we, again, we thought it was going to be like, oh, these next few weeks are going to be very difficult for everybody. And then again, I look back at my past, I guess my past self from my, you know, from that time. And I just think I was, I was completely naive and right. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think it, I mean, something that I, I, I certainly was saying to people this weekend, um, friends, people poured up part of our pods again a phrase we never would have had a year ago (laughs) and i'm like um what did i accomplish this year and they're like are you kidding me i was like yeah i mean they're like well you're you've saved your business which is no insignificant um you've remained a leader in the industry and your company and i'm like yeah but there are people who like cleaned every closet and learned russian or spanish and cooked italian meals every night and they're like but jen that was never you before either so <laughs> um so yeah. it was a good sort of like smack on the head yeah i i think about that too because it has been a while and i mean for a while especially you're in new york like i am and it, it for a while it did seem like you couldn't do anything in new york and in, in not even out, even outside of the city you couldn't do anything right. you couldn't leave your house right um, yeah, my mother were, she's a emergency room nurse at Northwell in New Hyde Park. And oh, she, really? yeah, so she, I remember the first few weeks hearing from her was, it was like, it was just incredible, incredibly disheartening. Like what was happening? It just seemed like, it seemed so dark. It seemed like almost like the end of the world that, you know, certain nights she would come home and I would talk to her. Um, right. yeah, so it, I, uh. I do like I, I try to do that sometimes to myself when I'm thinking about the last year. I try to try to put things in perspective because I mean tourism and hospitality have been has been very harshly hit, probably more than any other industry outside of uh, the restaurant industry, maybe. Right. Yeah, but I mean other people have had horrible, horribly, you know, intense right. experiences that we really didn't have. No, yeah. I think that's very true. I mean the fact that I mean yes, I've known some people who've passed away, not not close friends but board members or, or grandparents or parents of colleagues, I feel very lucky considering we were like the epicenter. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I still remember those first few weeks where, I mean, the governor would get on TV and you would, they would show us that chart and the numbers would just go up and up and there was never, yeah. Yeah. And there was never, it was never, it didn't seem like a reprieve was ever coming. No, no. Agree with that. So, um, yeah. And I think the warmer weather we've had the last few days have helped. Yeah, it definitely has helped. But people um, just still need to be smart. Yeah, so I mean, there are, I, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time to oh. talk to me today. And I, there are some questions I want to ask you, but I did want to just have a sort of a conversation like we're having now. Yeah, um, great. I mean, a couple different thoughts. One, um, I want to know how you're doing with your podcast and when that's yeah. coming up. And then I know I have Dave Hilfman on April 1st, and I, w- I have a couple questions there also. Yeah. So, shoot. Yeah. So, um, so we had, so yeah, so this is going to be episode one or two of the podcast. So, uh, people are probably listening to these words right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we, so we do the master advisor things, which we, which, which we hope are sort of, uh, vehicles specifically for people's business skills and stuff like that. And people can take things and directly apply that to their businesses. But I mean, the, this sort of the conversation on the podcast, we hope is just sort of a free flowing conversation that people can play in the background when they're in the car or when they're at their desk at, you know, maybe people aren't in the car so often now. Or working out. Yeah. I, I do tend to listen to podcasts when I work out now too, which is nice because <laughs> again, like time just gets so monotonous that after a while, 
like uh, the gym has been open by me. So I've been going as much as I can. And you know, you have, you have to do something to distract yourself from. You do. I know. I, I, I'm still not at a gym. I'm doing virtual Pilates in the basement and doing a lot of walking. So Um, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts and one that was sort of interesting recently was Joe Shetty. Um, Think like a, think like a monk. Okay. And it's all about quieting your mind, being very intentional with time and actions, which I think is so much more important now than ever. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I, I tend to listen to, I guess, I, I mean, minor tend to be sort of things that are going to distract me from, from that kind of stuff, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, there's a lot of, like, crime ones, which, you know, I, I, I really enjoy at this point. There's a couple of business ones, too. Like, Bloomberg does a, dude, Bloomberg does some great podcasts, too, and I, and I tend to grab those as, as often as I can, too. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, but I do want to ask you, I mean, we were, we've been talking about the last 12 months and I think you just have a completely unique perspective because you've been in the industry for so long, but also your family has been in the industry for so long. And I mean, I'm sure you've seen the same thing about, as I have. You've seen departures from the industry fairly regularly over the last 12 months. And I wanted to get your take. And I, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I mean, was, have you ever considered, you know, maybe this isn't the industry for me going forward, whether it was in the last 12 months or, I mean, even before that, because, you know, we all know this isn't the first crisis the travel industry has faced. It's a great question. Yeah. Um, yes, I do think this is the right industry for me. Um, I, I believe travel and tourism, it gives you experiences that you'd never have before. And it's, it's, I love to fly. I miss taking off still at the end of a runway. And when the plane breaks through the clouds and you just sort of soar, uh, to me, that's magical. But I, I loved looking at planes when I was a kid at the end of a runway, um, which I used to do with my grandparents out in Northeastern Iowa. I, love having global friends that you can pick up where you left off and i've had this time to connect with people that go back 30 plus years and gone through many different careers but we still have that commonality of friendship and integrity and we can pick up where we left off um i definitely have the desire to explore i i miss traveling and i recently um pulled together the number of states I've been to and the number of countries I've been to. And I have a hit list of where I want to go when things reopen. Yeah. What's the hit? What's, I mean, so what do you have the, do you have the totals in front of you? Do you remember what they were? Yeah, the I, I, can, yeah. I, I can, I can pull that up. That's easy. Yeah. I'll do that while we're talking. Yeah. But I think most importantly, it's, I like to serve. And what I've realized is travel and tourism and hospitality. It's all about service to someone and um, people need advisors because they need to aggregate information. Um, people want to serve. I think a lot of people who were questioning why they had the travel bug, if if yet if you didn't have that desire to serve, you couldn't make it through this year. Um, I thought your question was going to go in a different direction to say, um, is this the right industry? Would I consider government affairs and advocacy and yeah. politics? Probably not politics right now just because it doesn't it doesn't move fast enough for me i mean we've made great influence in the last year since our last legislative day but the sheer fact that unfortunately right now we're not even sure what ledge day this year is going to look like 
because it's hybrid, partly because of COVID, but partly because of the January 6th incidents. And I, as, a, as an American, as, as someone part of this democratic institution, have a real hard time when someone says, I can't go to Capitol Hill and speak to my representative. I mean, I'm really pissed and I hate to say it the way I'm blown away. So we're trying to re reshape that. Um, how can we have an impact when we can't actually go up and do that anymore? Um, okay, I, I'll find that while we go, but yes. Um, it was actually a really good exercise for me to do. What I did was I took the, the global entry customs border patrol oh, okay. list and I went down and I literally sort of like a game of memory walked through which country I'd been to and I marked one color for I'd been to one color I haven't been to and then I started ranking them. Um, I know maybe very type A individual, but it was an interesting um, sort of experiment for me to think about the future to know again that this is just a moment in time. And um, I think we have to continue to convey that message. Well, I mean, you mentioned that you were upset with uh, with the January 6th thing. And I just want to segue because this is something I've heard from people over the last year and people outside of travel and hospitality, too. I mean, it it, it does seem like we sh like we were it was nobody's fault, but we were almost robbed of a year of those experiences because of this virus. Um, and it just that, that I think that's what's sort of driving whatever pent up demand people are talking about now is that, you know, people do have those feelings that they were robbed almost of a year of living, um, right. spending time with their, with their grandparents or their grandchildren. I know my, I know my mother wanted to spend time with her grandkids, you know, taking vacations over the last year. And I think a lot of people are feeling that same way. Very much so. I mean, people that I talk to milestone birthdays, graduation, yeah. honeymoons, um, yeah. honeymoons, um, seeing grandkids, three generations together. And I think people are starting to plan some of that for the end of this year. I think they're very hesitant not to go say, mm, it's definitely the summer because they don't want to have their hopes disappointed again. Um, a lot for 2022, a lot for 2023. Um, and I think people are never going to look at those in the same way to say, oh, it's okay to miss that because you always thought you could do it. And when we talk about having something taken away from you, um, I think that's going to stay with anyone who lived through this global pandemic. You're not going to take for granted getting on a plane. You're not going to take for granted a birthday. You're not going to take for granted a dinner out together. Yeah. Um, we've actually been working. Um, I did a, uh, I, I sent it to Anne-Marie. I am in a series of um, three-minute videos with Alliance Bernstein, and it's called uh, Women and Wealth, Women and Wellness, and... Um, we connected through a mutual friend and it's been such fun to try to tell some stories, but give facts to this. And um, much like your portfolio or your financial investment plan, regardless if you have $1 or several million, you have a strategy for it to say, what do I want to invest? How much risk, how, how much um, in like a dividend, do you want stocks, do you want bonds, um, et cetera? startups or S&P. And we look at travel that way now to say, what are the must haves for the year? Are there birthdays and anniversaries? And those go into one category. Is it to go back to a place that you're familiar with? Or is it to go explore and find something new? And no differently than you would with a financial portfolio, you're taking your time and your travel 
and the connections that we have been robbed of in the last year, just to do it via Zoom and FaceTime, to say, what do those next, not just one and two years look like, but what do the next five or 10 years look like? To be able to strategically think about your travel plan to say, you can't go to Antarctica all year, only certain times of the year. And you can go on safari all the time, but you have different seasons and people forget that the seasons in, in South Africa are the absolute uh, reverse of what they are here on the Northeast in the United States. So that is actually starting to be fun to dream with people. Yeah, I, I completely agree too. I think, I mean, I, the comparison has always been made between travel agents and real estate agents, but I think the better comparison is with financial planners. Um, and it's funny because they had they had their own sort of moment of reckoning when the internet came along because I know, you know, robo-investors were kind of the new best thing. Um, and the travel agents have sort of dealt with the same thing with OTAs. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I got my list. Okay. Um, states visited uh, only 48 of 50. And I'm missing Kentucky and West Virginia, um, which I think I can solve. Yeah, Kentucky seems like an easy one. I don't know how easy West Virginia would be to, to solve. It, it will be. Um, yeah. And then I've been to 57 of 90, 192 countries pre-pandemic. And once the borders open, I, I made a list and it's going to clearly be uh, based on COVID numbers and travel restrictions and hopefully having travel certifications and things like that. But I've never been to Belize or Bhutan. Okay. I've never been to Fiji or Israel, Jordan or Namibia, Nepal or Rwanda. I've done, I've gorilla trekked in Uganda, but never Rwanda, and I wanna see the difference. Slovenia, which supposedly in Eastern Europe is just beautiful and fascinating, and eventually Mongolia. So not the tried and true, but um, I would hands down go back to uh, England, Scotland, Italy. Once those flights come back, that might be my, um, we talk about, Closer to home, further afield, and the big leap. So closer to home, maybe it's Kentucky and West Virginia. Okay. Uh, further afield, we might get to London, Scotland, or Italy, and the big leap, any one of those 10 that I just mentioned. Well, uh, look, I, I think you you told me that Scotland and London were particularly, uh, like they hold a special place in your heart for you. They do. Yeah. They do. And the little London book's probably not there today. Um, I lived in London for three years in middle school. So it very much is like a second home to me. I mean, when I fly into Heathrow, I look out the window and I can start to see where, where are the parks, where are the hotels, where are the um, main tourist attractions. Um, and again, very vibrant. Wait, so you guys, you said you mentioned you were in Iowa, is that right? And then you, and then North, so North, North, Northeastern Iowa. Valerie was actually born in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and grew up in Northeastern Iowa. And anyone who knows Valerie knows that she's not a typical Midwesterner. Um, and she was dying to get to the East Coast. And once she moved, she stayed here. Um, but I used to love to go back to Northeastern Iowa to visit my grandparents as a kid. And we would, my first airline code that I remember is ALO, Waterloo, Iowa. And that's what I assumed was always on every luggage bag sticker for years. Um, so that's where I used to sit at the end of the runway and watch the planes take off. So wait, so can you tell me the story of how you ended up? I mean, what was the what was the trek, or I guess what was the stops on your journey? Uh, I mean, you started in Iowa, and then did you did you end up in New York and then London, or was London after Iowa? 
Um, well, it's funny because Iowa's where um, Valerie grew up and where my grandparents were. And I went there at least twice a year. I spent most of my summers out there. That's how I actually got to see most of the 58 United States because I camped in a motorhome, which was not in in the late 70s like it is today when everyone wants Winnebago. Um, and in 1977, um, we moved from New York to London. Um, my parents were still married and my dad ran a large uh, investment bank in the UK. And Val, mother of two young children, middle school and elementary school, and we were willing to try this experiment. And every weekend she picked a different place to go see. Sometimes it was like the Cotswolds, other times it was to take a plane, um, Thanksgiving's in Paris, Easter in Rome, very fortunate. But that's when that travel bug hit me, probably really definitely by age 10. If it hadn't been the airplanes at the end of the runway as a kid, really little kid, it was age 10. And um, Val couldn't find a travel advisor that met up to her standards. So she, when we moved back in the uh, early 80s, three years later, um, as with most expats, it's a three-year run. She bought a small agency and most of the clientele uh, passed away. And she went to her family and friends where she had written Christmas cards and holiday notes to say, try my trips. And people said, can you start booking these trips? And she was like, well, sure, why not? So classic entrepreneur. Um, and uh, New York has, has been home most of my life, except for the three years in London, um, college outside of Philly, and then exec ed up in Boston and Cambridge. But um, London has a very special place because of those three years there. Wait, so when you, so I was in London for about 18 months. I was in, uh, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm sure I was in a different part of London than you. So I was in Southeast London, um, like uh, New Cross, that kind of area. Um, and I'm sure the city, yeah, the city's kind of changed. I know because every city changed, but. Every city changes. Yeah. Um, we lived in uh, Belgravia, SW1. And we went to school at the American School in London up in St. John's Wood. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I would love to get. I would love to see how that city is right now. Cause I mean, I'm sure COVID's had a toll on that city. Like it's had on every major city in the world. It has. I actually spoke to an industry friend this morning in London. I spoke to two last week and um, it's getting better. As they say, everyone's getting, starting to get their jabs, but it's very similar to New York. A lot of um, small restaurants, small businesses have closed cause they, they, they don't have the savings to be able to last 12 months without, um, without revenue and without clients. Um, London, London for me will always have a resiliency because of the history. If you actually look back in, in time, um, it, it was there in 1066. It was there in 70. I mean, it survived a couple centuries. New York's still young. Um, <laughs> it, we are, we're what? just over 275 years old. So yeah. as a history major, it reminds me to put things in perspective. Yeah, New York, was, New York wasn't bombed during World War II either, which I think probably That's a lot right. of people forget about London. Yeah. That's uh, right. Yeah, New York does, I mean, I don't know. I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't think I took it personally over the last 12 months or so, but New York seemed to be the, not the butt of jokes, but it seemed to be like just an afterthought and people were, you know, it, the story was that people were leaving New York in droves and it wasn't, right. the city was dead. And then, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that is the case, but um, I'm sure the same sort of happened in London over there uh, for those kind of storylines too. Well, it's also, I hate to say what sells press, 
sensationalism. And that's where I think there's always an opportunity to say what's real. Um, I think there is definitely with more people working remotely, there's the opportunity for people to move to the suburbs and different quality of life, more space, things like that. I think there have um, a year later, I definitely won't travel as much as I did before. And I said it to a couple hotel firms. I said, I'm happy to help you with your strategic planning and I'm happy to sit on an advisory board, but gone are the days that I will spend X number of days on the road supporting your brand over mine um, and business. So I'm here to help, but we can do that in a two hour Zoom call or a monthly touch base. It doesn't have to be the way it was. Um, I, I have a question on that thought, Jennifer. I mean, do you, I mean, because we're in this industry and, you know, we're very, you know, we're supporting travel at whatever way we can. I mean, you, you t turning down corporate travel, do you think that is, uh, that's a negative on you? Do you think that's something you, you don't take that personally at all? No, I don't at all because I would say, um, and I'm really excited, Dave and I'll eventually do this conversation on corporate travel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, no, corporate travel will come back to a degree, maybe 50%. I don't know. The percentage seems to matter less. It's the need and the desire. If there's a customer of ours that wants to see me, I would hop on a plane in a second to Chicago or Seattle or San Francisco or London, quarantine appropriate, um, to do business, to shake hands, to elbow bump, to look them in the eye. Long-term relationships that you have can be... Um, managed via Zoom because you already have that trust. But to gain new customers, um, to bring in new advisors, to have, find new partnerships and deals, I still think there's gonna be face-to-face. -face. So to be really clear, I'm happy to continue to be a resource for hotels and other brands in this industry. But I think gone are the days that you think each brand that you help represent or each brand that you're an advisor for wants two to four days of your time for an on-site meeting doesn't make sense right now. I mean, either I know the brand and trust the brand, hopefully I will have seen the property and I will get to it at some point to speak firsthand, but I don't think you all have to be in the same room for that. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, one of the questions I did want to ask you is what has been most consequential for you, you know, from the, from these past 12 months and what advice would you give yourself sort of prior to the pandemic? But I think that is a good jumping off point is that you know, we, I think a lot of people bemoan Zoom and, and these sort of video conferencing calls at this point, because it, it, it is, it is quite strange to sort of stare in the camera and, you know, look at yourself on the screen, but it, they are, they are fairly effective tools and they do serve a, I think a, a big purpose for a lot of people. And I think they are going to save businesses a lot of money going forward. They will. Um, I still think there will be trade shows. I think there still will be in-person trainings. I think, um, bankers and lawyers still will go on site to clients and do due diligence. Um, there, are, there are so many businesses, people who fix things like CAT scan machines, you can't do that remotely. People who um, go to inspect a property, you can't do that remotely. I think it's just, um, I think there'll, there'll be a recalibration on some of that. Um, you can never replace seeing someone in person. I mean, you and I would not have the rapport that we have, have, and continued to grow had not we first met in person and broken bread together and had dinner and met with each other and learned each other's nuance. We had that trust and that trust then allowed us during COVID to try new things, 
um, because we knew each other's style and personality. Yeah, I do. I do. Again, remember the, you were the, my first guest on the Master Advisor. Yeah, and I again, it, it does seem like years ago at this point, even though it's only been about probably eleven months. I know. Um, when you talk about um, what did I miss most, or what were some of the hardest consequences? Um, two things come to mind: um, financial stability. I mean, overnight, um, a forty-year-old brand literally was down ninety percent revenues. Um, I think it reminds me that cash is king and um, being conservative um, financially was the right thing to do, knowing that you need to save money. And I'm very fortunate that I have spent some of that savings over the last year. Um, but it ties into to being a leader and um, helping set that stage. I mean, we tried to keep as many employees as we could throughout this whole process after multiple rifts and furloughs, and we wanted them to have medical insurance. So even if they were only working 16 hours a week and on unemployment, the rest, to know that you've tried to make a difference in, in people, um, not just employees. I mean, we really do say part of the Valerie Wilson Travel family and team. Um, um. Little things make a big difference. Um, we still, I mean, I'm actually writing them out now, birthday cards and anniversary cards. We still hand sign them every month to every person in the organization. And um, I, I'm re-reminded things I don't do well, like let labels and addresses and stamping, but it's more important that this continue to happen. And sometimes it's the small things that matter the most. Well, you mentioned 90% and I'm, I'm not going to, like, obviously I'm not going to ask you for specifics, but I mean, how are you guys, how is it now with the financial stability? Do you feel more secure now than you did a few months ago? Um, I would say a couple things. I think PPP round one helped. It just was a long time ago. I, I was very disheartened with our, our government and how long it took to get to PPP round two, um, which we did get. Um, I think the lack of coordination between states. So we did business in many states and some of our employees never got unemployment in those states still. Um, so how do you give one consistent message? Um, as I, you've heard me say, VWT went into this debt-free. I would never take that statement lightly again. There were a lot of people who went in very leveraged and um, are even more leveraged now. But um, the whole way that this industry actually compensates advisors, um, I think still needs to come to bear. And um, even if we see bookings now, that's great. But if it's a booking for 2022, you're not gonna see all of that compensation or revenue stream until 2022. You might get a bonus commission if it's a tour like Colette or a, a cruise commission if, if it's a, again, a bonus commission program. But a lot of people can't wait another 12 to 18 months to see revenue. I mean, so we've had this conversation a couple of times about how this does need to change, especially with the trade doing as much work as it's done over the last 12 months and the, and the expected large role the trade's going to have in the recovery. But uh, my question in the back of my head has always been like, how do, how, what is the process for changing this kind of thing? I mean, what, how would things start shifting the other way? Because we know what we mentioned before that leisure travel is going to lead the way when it comes to the recovery and consumers and advisors are going to be more important than ever, especially to the airlines who don't have the margins they had with corporate travel anymore. But I, I mean, 
what would your game plan be if, if you were if if that was your mission going forward to, to to make these changes and to somehow shift the power, you know, at whatever level you can? What how would you even go about that? Um, I think there are a couple of brands and firms doing that right now. It, it's certainly not the norm. Um, I was, uh, and I would want to fact check myself on this one, but I want to say that uh, Travel Corp um, for the hotels that they owned, um, they're now going to commit paying uh, commissions two weeks before the guest arrives. That's a seismic shift. Um, when you look at advanced commission programs like Colette did, they're willing to do like $100 for a land only, $125 for land and air, and $200 for any booking that includes their waiver. So again, they're trying to not pay, not prepay the entire commission because you don't want to get into an accounting nightmare of cancellations and recalled commissions like the like the airlines did. Um, but to put something in the wallet of those advisors that are steering business to say thank you. Um, of all the things that I end up spending my time on, I, I clearly care about this because it's about the future of the advisors and the revenue stream. It's it's not the most important issue right now. We I couldn't go to ASTA or USTOA on these because right they're still looking at the financial livelihood of a lot of their members. And it's recognizing that there are important missions out there, but what's the right time to really address them? So. These are the ones that I would like to do the call out to the ones that are, and hopefully best practices and, and advisors will support brands and um, tour operators and cruise lines and hotels that are doing that. We still have too much work to do in Washington and we have too much work to do with women owned and uh, small businesses. We, we gotta focus on that first, um, but rec recognizing those that are at least starting to think about that mindset shift would help. Yeah, I, I, that's probably a good, that is probably a good way of looking at it. Hopefully, you know, the best players in the industry sort of reap the rewards right. from the advisors because they're, they're going to be the ones directing the bookings during the rebound, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, and I think, I mean, we try to do that the best we can. I think we try to highlight the ones. And you do. Even if it's something small. Yeah, I mean, we, again, but... I mean, we've again, we've had this conversation. It just seems like such that would be such a seismic shift in the industry for that sort of power to, to shift from suppliers to advisors. And it, I don't know. I mean, it just it, it seems something that's going to be extremely difficult to do all at once. But maybe maybe the point you're making is that it's it's small incremental changes that add up over time. It's, it's iterative. Yeah. And I would remind people that um, much like this digital health pass, whether it's one or 20 different brands, it's going to be much like TSA PreCheck. At first it was like a stamp. Then it became like a, a green check or a, or a black check on your boarding pass. Now it's a green check on your, your, your airline app. Iterative, same way with paper tickets. That took like 10 years. Yes, you got your big airlines at first, but to get everybody on the same page, um, I think we need, to, we need to make sure that we recognize that massive change like that takes time. Yeah. And I do, I mean, your role, your role with ASTA, I think is, is sort of building towards, I mean, you, you seem to always have the best interest of the trade in mind. Um, Try. Yeah. Um, Try. Um, and it's not just, it's, it's speaking in one voice. And I, I would have to say, being able to be a policy advisor on the new coalition travel again, 
has been an amazing opportunity because it's bringing together ASTA and USTOA and A4A, and it's bringing together meeting planners and car vendors. And it's recognizing that we all have had different agendas, all pretty similar, but now we need that umbrella organization that's gonna bring it all together. Otherwise, we're not gonna have the kind of um, processes and policies and protocols that we need in place to be able to get travel coming back once people are vaccinated. Once case numbers come down, we need the process, we need the infrastructure. Um, so what are your plans over the next, I guess, few months? Um, I know New York, I, I'm, I don't, have you been able to get vaccinated? No, I keep being told I'm too young and too healthy. And I was like, what about stress? Stress should qualify for something. Um, I, I have an appointment because I'm up in Westchester at Westchester County Center for the end of May. So Memorial okay. Day, which at least I have a stake in the ground and hopefully it'll move forward. I've reached out to a couple local pharmacies to say, do you have any leftovers at the end of the day? And they're like, no, because now the people who got the first vaccine are going back for the second, which that makes sense. Um, my mom, Valerie, got hers two weeks ago, the first one. Um, my husband got his about two, two and a half weeks ago also. So I'm hopeful at some point I'll, I'll get it. Yeah. My, my whole family aside from me is fully vaccinated every single one. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. But, um, I, I hear that people have this like, um, and I don't mean vaccine high, like a medical high, but like an emotional high that you feel like you're Superman or Wonder Woman, whoever your action figure hero was as a kid to be able to say, you can go do this again, um, which is great. Yeah, that's, I think, I, I think there has been sort of small celebrations for everyone after they get that shot, that second shot. And I'm very much looking forward to that. Again, but I don't we'll have, have any- to get together for a drink once we both have it. <laughs> I know for whatever bars are left, I guess in New York City, we can find one. But I mean, I haven't, I, I, I hope, I mean, what Joe, uh, President Biden said, he said, I guess May, he was going to open up eligibility to all adults and um i it just it seems like that day is it just seems like a dream almost to be honest i mean sitting here still in the tourism and hospitality industry right um and we've been talking about vaccines before they even could conceptualize a vaccine correct yeah but i think we have to recognize that there are a lot of places in this world some of those on my list that i want to go to that may never have the luxury of having those vaccines so we still need to learn a lot more um, so I don't want to take up your whole afternoon, but I do, I guess, I mean, on that note, I, I want to ask you, you mentioned all those countries you haven't been able to go to. Are those, those first on the list when, no. when everything's okay, or is it, no. or, or is it back I'll, to I'll some favorites? Definitely go, I'll definitely go back to, um, London and the UK and Scotland. Yeah. Um, hopefully Paris, maybe something in Italy. Um, I want to go back like much of our, like many of our clients to a place where I have great memories and um, realize that it is doable again. Yeah. I, I got back about a month ago, a little over a month ago. I was down in Antigua for a few days. And I have to say, again, just flying, taking off. But it was like a bubble. You couldn't go to this resort without a negative COVID test. You couldn't go to the island without a negative COVID test. And you're outdoors and you're on the beach. You only put your mask on to go to a restaurant. And I think it's a reminder that we will all get through this. Yeah, it was like a little piece of normal almost down in Antigua. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have the I hope I'm have the hope, I guess, rather than the feeling that for me, the, the opportunities to travel um, 
business travel, I guess I will call it, you know, I think they will be booming uh, hopefully in a few months. And I can't even imagine taking a a personal trip right now, to be honest. I I don't know where I would go. I don't know what what I would see. I do have family in your, in Ireland. I think it would be nice to check in on them and make sure they're still doing well um, in face to face. And maybe that'd be my first, my first choice coming out of this. I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful that by the end of June, um, the vaccine numbers will have gone up and the case numbers will go down. And um, I'll get out to California, see see our office. Um, hopefully, it's reopened. See advisors, see some new advisors that joined us with our associate access program in the middle of this pandemic. I've never met them except over Zoom. Yeah, was that is that difficult to hire someone you can't <laughs> see face to face? It's it well you see them on Zoom. Um, it's yeah, but just, it's, it's you not know, the same. Yeah, it's not the same. It's not the same. Um, which is why that I want that to be one of my first trips to out to the West Coast to see some of our new associates who have joined us, new to the industry. Um, as I said, I'm hopeful to get to Washington for Ledge Day, but we have no idea what it's going to be like this year. Maybe a hybrid of some sort. And what are the what are the, the dates for Ledge Day? Um, I want to say, and I should know those off the top of my head, but again, it's sort of like this last year, everything becomes a little, um, crazy, uh, 18 and 19 of May, May 18 and 19. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I think, uh, again, I mean, NASA's role has sort of been outsized over the last year. And I think it's going to continue to be outsized until we're back to some kind of normalcy, which we don't know. I guess we don't know. when. No, we don't know. We don't Um, know on that front. I guess, I mean, the last thing I do want to ask you is that, I mean, I remember sitting around the table with you and with other agency owners and advisors a number of times, and you all had these stories to tell me um, about sort of the big moments in your careers, whether it was the commission cuts or whether it was uh, 9-11 or whether it was the financial crisis, things that sort of changed for the better. And, and everyone had a story about how they reacted to those to those uh, dilemmas or those catastrophes. And I, I'm... I, I think maybe we're too close to it right now, but when you look back, do you think COVID's going to be the big one, the big one in your career? Do you think it's going to be the one that's going to be most consequential or the one that has had the biggest impact, um, whether it be personally or professionally? Um, I certainly think it'll be most defining. Okay. And um, I hope there's not something else. I mean, I, I would like to say that Zika and Ash Cloud and um, 9-11 and um, commission caps were a warm up. As a leader, they gave me the ability to um, know that I could dig deep. As an industry, they taught us to be persevering. Um, I hope there's not another one. I mean, there is no business plan for companies that have had a decrease in sales and revenues of 90%. I mean, everything I ever learned in exec ed at business school is that's not a business plan. And the sheer fact that this industry has been able to um, I hate the phrase pivot, but reshift, think. Um, clients are doing business, clients are suppliers and suppliers have become vendors and vendors are clients. The entire ecosystem is evolving um, and, and it's behaving like a startup. It's how do you take everything you've learned in the last 30 years in a 40 year old company with an awesome brand and how do you say, what is that path forward? Um, and behave in a very nimble, flexible way every day to behave like a startup. Um, big moments, I will always think back. Sometimes they're first, sometimes they're last. Um, 
you've heard me say I was on the last Concord in October of 2003. And to see the three Concords come in into London, beautiful formation with all hundreds of thousands of people on rooftops, magical. To be on the first uh, American Airlines 737 MAX out of Miami at the end of this past year, right before New Year's, um, on one of its first revenue flights, the plane was so quiet. And it was supposed to be completely an unmemorable experience, which it was, thank goodness. Um, there are hotel openings and, and closings. There are cruise lines where it's an inaugural sale or the last. I think it's recognizing being present for them. Um, that I would say is probably most important. Well, Jennifer, I really can't thank you enough, uh, not only for this conversation, but for the, all the conversations we've had over the last few years. Uh, I don't think you give yourself enough credit for the example you set, to be honest. And just being able to talk to you, is, I mean, I, I don't think I've been in the same situation as a lot of agency owners have been in, but it has, it has been calming or uh, for me to be able to speak to you. And please, when you, you mentioned getting your jab, as they call it in the UK, but please, when you get it, uh, I uh, I will hopefully be able to meet you somewhere in Manhattan, and we can and have drink, we can and have drinks drink. together. Exactly. Absolutely. No, it was a, it was an honor. It was a pleasure. It's great to chat. Um, it's great to re realize that as leaders and as human beings, we we need to we need to lean on each other, and uh, being vulnerable is not a bad thing. Saying you don't know the answers, um, but no, this is an industry I love, and I'm glad if in any small way I just can make a difference. Well, I, I think you definitely have. Um, yeah. So again, thank you so much. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -ba.